Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. It is a pleasure to be here today with a special pleasure to have a son who's in the LTM and in attendance. The music which was selected, I know that my Redeemer lives, and come follow me. I'd like to talk on the subject of sacrifice this evening. We will talk a little bit about the sacrifice of Joseph Smith, of Abraham and Isaac, of the Savior and the atoning sacrifice, but also I'd like to talk uh, this evening about the sacrifice of you and I and what the obligations are for us. To do this, I would like first to review the fact that we are a child of God and also to talk of the privilege we have of having an eternal plan of salvation that we in the Church of Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints believe in. It is a thrill to know that this important gospel truth, that we live that we are in mortal state, that we have an opportunity for the riches of eternity, to live in immortality, and to have eternal life. The great truth is contained in the words of the song, I am a Child of God, written by Sister Naomi Randall, with the music by Sister Mildred Pettit. The fact that each one of us is a child of God is not known by everyone, but I think it's very important that we discuss it before we talk of the atoning sacrifice. We can come to understand this and all principles of the gospel by studying the scriptures and listening to our prophets. There was a council in heaven. In the pearl of great price, we learned that long before we came to this earth, we lived as a spirit. And as a child of God, we were with our Father in heaven, where a great council was held. We were told then that our Heavenly Father would make it possible for our spirits to come to earth to inhabit physical or mortal bodies, and here we would have experiences and temptations. But because he loves us so much, he would make it possible for us to return to live with him again. And all our Heavenly Father's children were there. We were so happy with our Father's plan that we shouted for joy. However, we had to make a decision about which one of his Father's children we should choose to follow to come to earth and carry out this plan. Lucifer was one of Heavenly Father's most brilliant spirits. He was a spirit son, just like Jesus. Lucifer asked to be sent to earth where he would force all of us to return to our Father's presence without choosing for ourselves whether or not we wanted to do right. He would force us back to heaven. There would be no free agency. Lucifer was vain and very selfish. For he desired all the honor and glory for the success of our Heavenly Father's plan. Because his plan was rejected, Lucifer became angry and rebellious. He and one-third of the spirit children who chose to follow him were cast out of heaven. Lucifer, whose name means the Shining One, was told that he would now be known as Satan or the devil. Satan and his followers were permitted to come to earth to tempt us 
and to try to influence us into doing wrong, but none of them have mortal bodies. They are jealous of our mortal bodies and do everything in their power to keep us from returning to our Heavenly Father's presence. It has struck me, as I have looked at Lucifer's plan in this day and age, how much abortion carries that plan forward today. Every time there is an abortion someplace in the world, there is yet another spirit child that can't come to this mortal existence. To me, it is yet an extension of Lucifer's plan and one that we should be mindful of when we come into discussions on this subject. Jesus, the eldest Son of God the Father, offered to carry out the plan used in many worlds before ours, that we, he would allow us to have free agency. Free agency is that opportunity to choose for ourselves how we want to live. Because Jesus, our elder brother, loves us so much, he wanted to take upon himself a mortal body like ours to show us the right way to live. And then he agreed to sacrifice his life so that in some heavenly way we could all be forgiven of our sins if we repent of them and choose to live righteously while here. It is important to understand the principle that Jesus Christ had his free agency on whether he would complete this act. And as we know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed to his Father, he asked his Father if there was another way, if this cup could pass from his lips. And his Father told him no, that this was the eternal plan, and Jesus then went forward and completed his mission. Jesus wisely knew sometimes temptations would be appealing and that we would choose to do wrong. But under his plan, we could recognize our wrongdoings, repent, and be forgiven. To repent means to be truly sorry, to change or turn away from the wrongdoing, to seek forgiveness, and then to try with all our hearts to live better lives. As spirits, we realize the wonderful blessings of receiving physical bodies and of choosing for ourselves what to do. We also knew that each time we chose to do right, we would grow in knowledge and develop in character, and we would have leadership so that we could become perfect even as our Heavenly Father in Heaven is perfect. As we chose to follow the way Jesus offered to carry out the plan of our Heavenly Father, we then started on the road of eternal progression. With that phrase, I am a child of God, because we know that each one of us is a child of God, the beautiful thoughts contained in the song title are especially meaningful. When we come to truly understand the words that we are a child of God, our testimonies grow. Then, hopefully, we become more determined to have the courage to say no when we're tempted to do wrong. Our Father in Heaven loves us more deeply than we can understand. He has said that He numbereth His people, that each one of us is important to Him. He wants us to return to live with Him and Jesus again. He wants us to communicate with Him in prayer, to tell Him of our love, of our devotion and our obedience, and to show our love by obeying Him. It is interesting that in John 14, where He says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. The great principle of love must have obedience, and we show our love to our Heavenly Father by keeping His commandments. And through obedience, we can become more like Him, developing those qualities of character that He wants His children to have.
developing the characters that our earthly parents want their earthly children to have. And he has sent us here, has given us an earthly home with parents kind and dear. This earthly life is an important step in our progression, where as brothers and sisters we can know the joy of serving each other and preparing for eternal life together. Adam and Eve were the very first parents on earth. They used their free agency to decide what laws they would obey. They chose to become parents and to have children and to, to come into their home. And these children would be loving and would be taught the gospel. But even there, Adam and Eve were going to have a son who turned away from the Lord, Cain. And he would be the first to be an example of those that turn from the teachings of their parents in the Bible. Our memories of the pre-existence, that of living in heaven as spirit children, are forgotten. And when we are born physically, we cannot remember the great joys of living in the presence of our Heavenly Father. However, the Holy Ghost can bear witness to us, to everyone, that they are truly spiritual children of God, as well as earthly children of our fathers and mothers. It makes us happy in giving meaning to our lives to know who we are, what we should do, and where we are going. Heavenly Father planned for our kind and dear earthly parents to also be with us in heaven where we will live together as eternal families just as we should know and show our love for our Father in heaven by obeying his laws and commandments, we honor our earthly parents by loving and obeying them. They are to lead us, to guide us, walk beside us, and help us find the way. Our objective is to return to the presence of our Heavenly Father, to return with honor after leaving his presence. We must use our free agency in always choosing the right, and only through the obedience to his commandments and through truly repenting if we do wrong will this be possible. By listening and accepting the advice and teachings of our parents, of our teachers in primary and Sunday school, universities and seminary and institute, and all those who love us, we can be led and guided to do right. Although it is not possible for them to actually walk beside us, for them to actually be with us throughout all of our lives. Their spirit and memories can be with us that we might feel their love and prayers. Their only desire is for our happiness. They know through experience that this is not possible unless we live the commandments, unless we live righteously. We can also receive guidance from the Holy Ghost if we live worthy of the Spirit. Each week we partake of the sacrament to remind us of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We are told that if we keep his commandments and always remember him, if we will take his name upon us, if we will always keep his commandments, that we are given the greatest blessing which we can have in this life to lead us back into our Heavenly Father's presence, we are promised that we will always have his Spirit to be with us. We can find that way back. We must because that is why we came here. Therefore, we must be able to be taught, and therefore, teach me all that I must do to live with him someday, is what we have to learn. When we understand this phrase, it is helpful to know that several years ago, 
before Spencer W. Kimball became the president of the church, he was visiting a conference. This was in 1957. And in California, the primary children sang the song, I'm a child of God. Later, he said to a visiting primary board member, I love the children's song, but there's one word that bothers me. Would Sister Randall mind if the word no were changed to do? The change was made, for President Kimball had pointed out a very important truth, that while it is important to know what is right, it is more important to do what is right. Only in this way can we be sure of returning someday back into the presence of our Heavenly Father to our heavenly home to live always with our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and our loved ones. What joy comes when we understand the full meaning that we are a child of God. The sacrifice or atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ is very important to us. Each one of us has to understand that we are free from the bondage of Satan if we will seek by being obedient. In the eternal plan of salvation, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the key which opens the door to eternal life, to those riches of eternity that are spoken of in the scriptures. The law of sacrifice is very important. It is exemplified, as we have just talked about, in the sacramental prayer. There we renew our covenants each Sunday. There we take upon the name of Jesus Christ. There we say we will always remember him and remember his atoning sacrifice. I wanted to talk for a moment on this atoning sacrifice. Joseph Smith spoke of it this way. In his sixth lecture of faith, where he talked of sacrifice, first he talked about seeking knowledge, where he said an actual knowledge to any person that the course of life which he pursues is according to the will of God will be given to him by the Holy Ghost. Second, he spoke of it was through sacrifice, and only through this way that God has ordained that man enjoy eternal life. And third, we know that through sacrifice, if all earthly things that men know that they are doing are pleasing in the sight of God, will they then be blessed? Our sacrifices must be acceptable to the Lord. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to the Lord. And today our sacrifices are numerous. We offer for a sacrifice unto him a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's interesting that when Adam and Eve were taught of the sacrament and of sacrifice, it was a blood sacrifice, pointing forward and towards the day of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Then after Jesus was resurrected and in third Nephi, Jesus said, In me the law of Moses has been fulfilled. And then the important truth, that it was not necessary to have blood sacrifice, but rather to remember him and to keep his commandments and to take his name upon us. In the 59th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, it clearly states that we offer a sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in righteousness, again with a broken heart and contrite spirit. And this we do on the Lord's day, and that these sacraments are under the Most High. 
Do we understand then the law of sacrifice and the importance? Are we offering sacrifices of convenience at times and not doing what we need to do? Our spiritual covenants require sacrifice, a full devotion to the Lord. On the Sabbath day, when we go to the house of the Lord, we should do so in reverence, for these offerings are a, rem a reminder to ourselves and to the Lord of our devotion. We will be edified by having that spirit to be with us and will be able to touch the lives of others. With Adam and Eve, when they were called upon in the name of the, of the Lord, they heard the voice of the Lord speaking to them. They saw him not, and he was shut out of their person. Next, he gave unto them a commandment to worship the Lord their God, and then gave them the law of sacrifice, that of offering the firstlings of the flock for an offering unto the Lord. Sacrifice to be successful requires obedience. Adam was obedient unto the commandments of the Lord. And to Adam, as, a, as the angel appeared, he asked, Why dost thou sacrifice unto the Lord? Adam's reply, as we know, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. The angel then replied, These things are in a similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten of the Father, which is full of grace and truth. Wherefore, thou shalt all, and everything thou doest in the name of thy Son, thou shalt repent and call upon the God, your God, in the name of the Son forever. Adam and Eve were also given the true order of prayer, to pray to our Father in heaven in the name of Jesus Christ, and this we were to do forever. Then the blessings came as they were obedient. With Abraham and Isaac, I'd like to break down that story into four basic principles. First, there was the teaching principles. Second, obedience to the law of sacrifice. Third, in every test of a sacrifice, we are tested, we must live it. And then fourth, the blessings which come. First, the teaching phase that Abraham went through. He had been taught the law of sacrifice and had done so. But then he was told, under the Lord's directions, to behold, here I am, said the Lord, a spiritual phrase. And he was told to take thy son Isaac, whom thou lovest, to the land of Moriah. Now listen, take thy son whom thou lovest. The dearest possession that, I, as we know, Abraham had, as Abraham and Sarah had made it, waited many years, and Sarah at one point had laughed when the Lord had said she was going to be of child. And then the question, is anything too difficult for the Lord? And along came Isaac. And he was told to go to a mountain. As Abraham went, we know he rose early in the morning. Now obedience sets in, the second great part of the law of sacrifice. Two young men plus Isaac, Abraham's son, went to the mountain. They'd cut wood. Isaac then went with his son Abraham with the wood and a torch, and they went and built an altar. Isaac was bound and placed upon the altar. And there I sometimes wonder not only what was in Abraham's mind, but what Isaac was thinking of. Can you imagine 
having to love your father and look around and ask where the sacrifice was, and then your father saying, the Lord will provide. Now you find yourself on the altar with father, with his hand raised, with a torch in one hand and a dagger and a knife, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And then an angel came and stopped him. Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Isn't it interesting that the purpose of all of this was twofold? First, that Abraham would have the feelings of God the Father in the sacrificing of his son, and that he would know the anguish also that through this the Lord might know that Abraham feared God. Now the fourth step, that of blessings from obedience to the law of sacrifice. Abraham lifted his eyes, a ram was caught in the thicket and was offered for a sacrifice. And then the Lord said, Because thou hast done this thing and hast withheld thy son, thine only son, I will always be with thee. And then went on to give Abraham multiple of his seed throughout all the earth, the blessings, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Can we understand in today's terms what Joseph Fielding Smith said to a group of young people a few years ago? Joseph Fielding Smith, in talking to that group, I was most impressed when he talked about his life how he talked about his father, Joseph F. Smith, and then he spoke of the fact that, that Joseph F. Smith and Hiram, who was the grandfather, he spoke of the fact that we don't need to give our life, but that our sacrifice and our life is given to the Lord each day as we serve the Lord. And there are many ways we do that. I've jotted down a few. Every man is tested, his faith. He must have self-denial, either from moral or physical things of this world. He must sacrifice and show the Lord that he will give. These blessings then bring rewards and stronger faith. We do this with an eye single to the glory of God. As stated in the fourth section of the Doctrine and Covenants, we do this with an eye single to the glory of God, not for what we want to do, rather for what the Lord wants us to do, when he wants us to do it, and in the way his work needs to be carried out. And there will be times when we won't understand why. I sometimes think of Job as he was being tested, a perfect man, and in the closing verse of that first chapter of Job, where he states that blessed be the name of the Lord after his family has been wiped out, blessed be the name of the Lord, and then comes back and says, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. How often when we're tested, tested or must sacrifice do we charge God foolishly? and ask the questions, why me? And then 
we have our sacrifice become under question? Do we pay our tithes because we love the Lord? Do we live the word of wisdom for its spiritual blessings and not only its physical blessings? Are we morally clean? If we are going to fill a mission, as I'll be a mission president in England on July 1st, I would hope that I'd be able to return with honor, knowing that when I went out, I worked with all of my heart, might, might, and strength. And that's the sacrifice the Lord would ask of us. As parents, do we make the sacrifice for our children to teach them and to live the commandments and to be an example to them? Our mothers, as Mother's Day approach, have a special sacrifice. They suffer, they love, they forgive, but most of all, they teach us. There is a story I'd like to give you. It's the background of the film we're going to see. I hope this will be a teaching moment for all of us. The sacrifice is produced by two young men who are returned missionaries, John Wadsworth and Tom Christensen. I'd like you to watch for one or two things in this film. They're important. At the close of this film, there's a father who has a duty. It's symbolic of God the Father. The little boy has been sent by his mother to tell the father that she's going to have a baby, to tell the father of new life, the father who has responsibilities of correcting a drawbridge so that the train can come by. There's a mal malfunction, and it will not close. So he has to go down the gateway to manually hold with an iron rod the trestle so that the train can pass. The little boy, in all of his excitement, has forgotten how he should come to see the father, and he runs up the tracks. In the closing moments of the film, we're going to see a railroad train full of passengers who are completely unaware of the drama. The father holding onto the iron rod, much like Lehi and Nephi were told, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's got to hold on to that if he wants to save the people in the train, symbolic of the world. And then he must sacrifice his son. The most interesting part to me of this film is the complete disinterest of the people in the train. I think our job, if I were to give you one assignment from today's discussion, is that we go forth and tell the people of the world what has happened and the events of this world. You will see that even the message that the Son is bearing, this great joy of a mother, symbolic, symbolic of new life, once again, after Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden Eden, they were given two commandments that they should worship the Lord their God and that they should offer the firstling of their flocks. And Adam was obedient under the commandments of the Lord. And after many days, as an angel of the Lord appeared to Adam and said, Why dost thou sacrifice? He said, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. Wherefore, thou shalt do all thou doest in the name of the Son, 
and thou shalt repent and call unto God in the name of the Son forever. It states in Moses chapter 5, the law of sacrifice is a temporal law. Man was instructed to obey it from the beginning of earth. It was an ordinance performed by priesthood authority to typify the coming of the Son of God to give his life for the sins of the world. The law of sacrifice was practiced until the coming of the Son. It was always performed in such a way as to give direct attention to the Lord Jesus Christ's atoning sacrifice. The feast of the Passover is but one example. The killing of the Paschal lamb involved in killing of a little lamb with the blood being spilt, but with no broken bones, as described in Exodus chapter 12. The offering of the sacrifice was generally practiced ordinance of the gospel, which ended with the sacrifice of Christ. The sacrament then becomes that newly established ordinance, which serves as the purpose of the earlier ordinance, symbolic of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. After the film, I'd like you to ponder just a few points. We want you to do this in a way in which after I've closed with my testimony, you'll be able to ponder and then we will hear the song, I Stand All Amazed. Would you ask yourself this question? Could the people of the train have gotten safely across this deep chasm represented by the bridge without the sacrifice of a young boy by his father? When the people of the train were riding past, do they have any concern? You will see that they do not. Our job as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is to take this message throughout the world that God lives, that Jesus is the Christ, that through him all mankind are saved. In the words of Charles H. Gabriel, I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified, that for me a sinner he suffered, he bled and died. I marvel that he would descend from his throne divine to rescue a soul so rebellious and proud as mine, that he should extend his great love unto such as I, sufficient to own, to redeem, and to justify. I think of his hands pierced and bleeding to pay the debt. Such mercy, such love and devotion can I forget? No, no, I will praise and adore at the mercy seat until at the glorified throne I kneel at his feet. Oh, it is wonderful that he should care for me, wonderful that he should die for me. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to me. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, 
and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.